You're listening to Detours Ahead, a podcast about creative living. So today we have an amazing interview with someone who writes screenplays, she writes novels, she's had the film produced, she's been the subject of a documentary on Amazon, on Amazon, yeah. available on Amazon, and she has a pretty interesting background that's, you know, different to what we've had so far. So yeah, I think y'all are really going to enjoy this one. Tara, Tara J. J. Stone. Yeah. We said it in unison.
brand new Catholic college in San Diego called John Paul the Great Catholic University. Mm-hmm. And they were, their focuses were um, film and business. And I was like, oh, well, that's perfect. The Catholic yeah. school that's doing film. Like, <laughs> what? Um, so I, I, I um, left everything behind in Denver and moved to San Diego to start over on my bachelor's degree and mm-hmm. start over on film. And my very first screenwriting class, it was like, it all came back to me, like, of course this is what I'm meant to be doing. Writing yeah. is, is what I love more than anything in the world. So yeah. um, it just, that's where it finally came together. And I was like, I can do this for real. So That's so cool. I have a couple questions from that. Did you keep the bound yeah. book that you got as a prize for your... No. <laughs> it's funny, because I, like, just remembered that today. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I, I had completely forgotten about it until I... Just it was like a random memory that I had today. So my mom might have it somewhere. I was gonna say it's probably in a box somewhere in your parents' attic. Yeah. Uh, The other question is, nope, I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Darn! (laughs) I should have known not to hold too many questions in my head. Well, that's okay. That's great. So screenwriting was was the right fit, and you finished your degree Mm -hmm. in that. And since then, um, you've now gone on to write and publish two screenplays. Is that correct? Yes, I actually just did that um, this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I and that's I graduated from KP Catholic in 2011. I finished my undergrad, so what nine years later. <laughs> um, but I, when I finished at JP Catholic, I actually stayed to do my MBA in film producing as well there. Oh, so wow. I stayed for another two years. Um, but after that, um, everything that I had going on in San Diego sort of individually each thing was like falling apart Mm -hmm. and so I moved back to Colorado Mm -hmm. um and I sort of felt like a a failure (laughs) because everybody says like you can't you can't be in the in the industry if you're not in LA you know Mm -hmm. I was like man I I failed (laughs) moving back to Colorado um but within three weeks I found a job at a production company here in in my hometown Monument Colorado yeah so um yeah and I actually worked there for for seven years but just um a week and a half ago two weeks ago I got furloughed <laughs> so, oh no yeah yeah so well it's a casualty this is that's the whole point of the show right is detours ahead okay. so we know that there are these detours that will come up sometimes in our path but that doesn't mean it's taking us off the road we're just going it the long way I guess yep yeah. yep it's so, so that, um, that really resonates with me, what you said. I did my, my master's in film uh, and screenwriting mm-hmm. and just didn't really have a strong desire to move to L.A. and yeah. was similarly sort of told, like, why? <laughs> what are you trying to do if you, if you can't move to L.A. and try to get this going? I just I feel like I personally just don't have the hustle spirit needed yeah. to do it. Um, but you've decided to, to go ahead and publish your screenplays. So what led you to that decision? Yeah, um, it was something I thought about for a long time because, um, you know, trying to get anything produced is extremely difficult if mm-hmm. you don't have the network and if you don't continually work on that network, which is exactly why I am glad that I didn't move to L.A. because I don't have that in me. It's not natural for me. Yeah. Um, and and I also, my, my scripts happen to be in genres and budget ranges that are just not being made anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was like the 1950s, the last time movies like that were right. made. Right. So, um, and that's okay. I kind of came to the, the conclusion that it's more important for me. It's more fulfilling me, to me to write the stories I want to write mm-hmm. than to see them made. Yeah. Um, because the joy is in the writing itself. Right. But I also want, I feel like they're, they're good stories that, that deserve to be out there that mm-hmm. people would enjoy. And so I thought, wouldn't it be wild if I just published them and mm-hmm. let people read them? Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Why not? Why not I them? get them to my audience and, you know, I don't have to wait on a producer who's going to put millions of dollars into it. So, <laughs> um, well, I can so, say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, the pandemic was sort of the, the impetus to finally see that through, mm. um, because our, you know, our office shut down and we were all working from home, but, all our projects also got canceled, so yeah. we had no work to do. And my boss was still paying us, which was extremely generous, mm-hmm. um, but we had no work to do. So she's like, don't feel like you have to be, you know, sitting in front of your computer staring at your email all yeah. day long. <laughs> so um, feel free to work on your own stuff. And 
so that's what I did. I, I decided to go ahead and publish. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah. we um, we stumbled across you because of you publishing your work um, and the writing network that exists mm-hmm. on Twitter. And we, we've actually read Bergman Manor, and it was, we didn't realize that it was a screenplay when we first purchased it. I didn't look uh, that yep. closely at it, but I'm so glad that we did, because due to COVID, right, we're all a little starved for some entertainment. So Mark mm-hmm. and I actually ended up reading the screenplay out loud to each other and performing it. And I would highly recommend it. Like, I, we had a really great time doing it. It was a great story. Um, but also, just as you're saying, you know, we didn't have to rely on a studio to put money into this and bring it to life. It was like kind of the combination of like a film experience and a book experience of getting to imagine the characters as we imagine them, but also getting to to have that sort of performance aspect to it. So, I mean, I don't know if you need to sell it to your readers in any way, but you can always suggest, you know, <laughs> hey, you can perform this out loud to each other during COVID. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine, you know, when you're in school, you read, like, Shakespeare plays and stuff, yeah. so it's like, people read plays for pleasure, so why not screenplays? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and Mike, you know, teaches, he's teaching uh, screenwriting now at the undergrad oh, level, so they always read screenplays, so, you know, yeah. why not, why not? That's actually um, one of my, um, I guess, marketing strategies that I haven't um, really implemented yet, but it's like it's in my brain sure. <laughs> to do. Yeah. Is that I want to pitch it to um, film instructors as as like a learning tool, oh, not great. just for screenwriting, but for producers to learn how to schedule and budget and break mm-hmm. down a script and do all those kinds of things. Because um, it's a lot easier to learn those things when you have an actual script to work with. <laughs> That's so smart. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we writers always have like, okay, I should be doing this to market and I should be doing that, right? We always have a few things in our pocket, but I think that's really smart. That'd be a great way to go about it. Now, from my understanding of looking at your website, it seems like you did have a film that was produced, correct? Redline? I did, yeah. Um, And that was was my senior year at um, at JP Catholic. It was our senior project. Okay, great. Um, So, yeah, I was... Um, the third graduating class from JP Catholic. That's how new it was when I went. So it was all still sort of like experimental. We were like kind of guinea pigs. <laughs> um, so, but my class, we, we had a lot of great talent in my class. And so I went to our, our senior advisors and I was like, look, we can do all these short films, like, you know, for mm. a normal senior project, but mm. I think we have such extreme talent in this class that we could do a feature film. Like, how cool would that experience be? Yeah. Um, and so I sold them on that idea, and the <laughs> the story that I pitched to them was actually a period story. It was about um, <laughs> people getting <laughs> um, stuck in a in like a wine cellar on the first night of the London Blitz. Okay. Um, that sounds really and, cool, actually. I would read that. Yeah. Yeah, I was really excited about it. And I got like halfway through the script, and it was Christmas break. And my professor calls me and he's like, Stop writing. We got the director online, and that's not the story he wants to do. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, What? Yeah. Um, so he wanted to do something a lot more um, contemporary and relevant to today's culture. And so we turned it into um, a story about the LA subway, people being trapped on a subway mm-hmm. when there's an explosion that goes off and then mm-hmm. you think that the terrorist is one of them and mm-hmm. so it's um yeah it was it's still an interesting concept I I think that the script suffered because it wasn't what I really um felt comfortable writing because it wasn't my it wasn't my genre you know what I mean it right. was um and I I was still so early in learning that I couldn't adapt very well so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the director ended up having to rewrite a lot of it, which is fine because he's a great writer. But I, I think the final product suffered because it it just wasn't me. I wasn't true to myself. I so, gotcha. yeah, that, I mean that whole process, I guess, is as you say, like a real learning curve, right? Like I only did yeah. student films on my end, but the, I I found too the director changing a lot of stuff and. Like, it wasn't yep. really my script by the end, but I have an IMDb credit now, and so do you, so that's yep. great, you know, something to put on the old resume. Exactly, and I got to be on set for the whole thing, too, yeah. um, 
which was, I mean, you can you can read all the books and learn from all the professors and everything, but until you're on set for a feature film, like you really don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I can only imagine. It's such a huge learning experience. So yeah, um, that that experience alone shaped me. I think. Yeah. Do you feel like that impacted the way that you write now? Like your your screenplays that have come after that? Um, I think that certainly went into the um, sort of resolution to to stick to what I know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm such a huge fan of classic films and old films that mm-hmm. my my writing style naturally tends towards that, and I can't I can't change it, and mm-hmm. I don't want to try to make it fit into somebody else's yeah. vision. So um, I, I think that experience helped me figure out that it's more fulfilling to be true to my own writing style than to have a movie made, have a credit, mm. but not really have my own movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah, so. for sure. Now you mentioned that you were very much inspired by old movies, which I think is very uh-huh. apparent to anyone even looking at the cover, uh, reading the manuscripts, right? It feels yeah. very, very like something from a different time in the best way possible. I'd love to hear about the films that have influenced you, the ones that you love, because I'm also, oh I gosh. love, love, love old movies, so we're going to geek out um, for a moment. Well, my, I, I, my favorite genre is musicals. Okay. I love um, MGM, Arthur Freak musicals, um, all the, you know, Singing in the Rain, On the Town, mm-hmm. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, those are all, oh, yes. those are my top three films. <laughs> um, but I also really love um, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I love Frank Capra a lot. Okay. Um, I, it's like my dream to write a screwball comedy, but I don't think I'm funny enough. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, any anything, pretty much anything made between 1934 and 1956 okay. is, is probably on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, that was such a great time in film. I was going to say, like, from reading your scripts, I was kind of surprised, again, creepily stalking you on your website to see that you said Singing in the Rain was your favorite movie, not because it's not a great film, and there are funny moments in the screenplay, but it read more like noir to me, you know, so I thought I was going to see more in that vein. Um, why do you think that you tend more toward, like, the mystery and, and, and ghosts? Let me, sorry, let me just let you think about that for a second while I plug very quickly how excited I was to see a screenplay that was about, like, a potentially haunted hotel with ghosts and, like, Oceanside and, like, I mean, that's so my jam, it's not even funny. So, I really appreciate that. Um, but sorry, yes, why do you think that you maybe tend more toward, toward writing that as opposed to, I know you said you don't think you're funny enough to do screwball comedies. I mean, those are daunting because they're so just like, oh, man. so perfectly crafted and hilarious, but yeah. why, why do you think that is? Um, I, I don't know. I wish I knew. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do keep tending towards the mystery genre, and I think there's something um, I mean, I, I'm going to make myself sound kind of lazy here, but there's, there's something easy about that, the the cinematic nature of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, mysteries just lend themselves to screenplays really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my my other screenplay, The Detective Secretary, is a musical, but it's also a mystery. So it's... Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten to read that one yet. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to ask you more about that in a moment, but sorry, continue okay. with what you're saying. Um, but the idea for Bergman Manor actually came about because... Um, there were a couple of other women who graduated from JP Catholic with me, and mm-hmm. shortly after we graduated, we kind of wanted to do something together mm-hmm. um, and see if we could sort of, I don't know, crazily kickstart our producing career or something. But, yeah. um, they asked me to write the screenplay, and we just sort of kicked around all these ideas. And um, my friend Andrea, she's the one who, who really was sort of gung-ho behind it. She, she wanted a ghost story. She actually requested something more like The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, Yes, um, yeah. And so my first iteration of Bergman Manor was very different because um, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but um, Clem, the main character in, in my original iteration, has like an actual, has like extensive conversations with the ghost of Bergman mm-hmm. Manor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just didn't feel right. And then we, we sort of all parted ways and got lost. And, um, so I, I asked I, if I could just take the script and run with it and sort of rewrite it and 
you know, and my friend Andrea was like, of course, it's, it's yours. So, um, so I completely rewrote it and it became what it is now, which, um, I don't know, ended up being much more like, uh, Rebecca, I guess. It's, it's yeah. The closest. Yes. I can see that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, wow. There's so much to kind of unpack there. That's great. Um, I mean, you know, things, projects shift and change over time, but it's nice that at least with this one, you felt like you were able to put more of yourself into it and sort of see how that developed. Now, I, as you say, the, the detective secretary, is that the second one? Mm -hmm. Is that, is the secretary Jane or is this a different detective secretary? It, it's my own detective secretary. (laughs) No, yeah, sorry. I mean, in Bergman Manor, isn't the detective secretary named Jim? Oh, yeah, no, it's a different character. Oh, okay. Totally different character. Okay. Um, yeah, so the detective secretary is, is funny because it's the only script that I've ever written that was just like uh, the log line popped into my head and I was like, I have to write this screenplay. <laughs> um, and it was just, um, I was always, I love movies like Maltese Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the secretary in that movie, but I feel like she she deserves a bigger role, you know right. what I mean? Like, she's so helpful to Sam Spade, but, um, you know, we never get to focus on the detective secretary. And right. so I was like, what if that would be a great character? And and, um, and I thought, what if she goes undercover as a nightclub singer to mm. solve all the case of the missing trombone player? And I was like, and then I could make it a musical and a mystery. So it was just, <laughs> it was so exciting to, like, yeah. Is it like a, my head. Is it a burst into song kind of musical? Um, there are a couple of moments that, um, that are burst into song, but, um, the majority of the numbers are as her performing as the nightclub singer. Okay. So kind of some like it hot in there, maybe a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's definitely, um, cause there's a yacht. (laughs) There's there's definitely some nods to some like it hot for sure. Nice. Um, Nice. Okay. Sorry. I'm trying to remind myself of some questions here. The novel. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! I haven't asked you about the novel yet. Can we? Oh. So is this is this a full transition into novel writing, or is this just a little maybe another detour? Um, neither really. Okay. Um, that my novel, it's it's called Six Blocks Home, and it's a contemporary coming-of-age story. And it's it's another story that just sort of popped into my head, and um, it rolled around in my brain for probably a year before I put anything on paper. But to me, it just it felt like the kind of story that isn't very cinematic. It's much more of a story of the heart. It's, there's a lot of interior change, but it's and there are extraordinary changes, but it happens through little ordinary moments, things that we don't think of as, like, spectacle, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt like it, it's, it, it was more at home in, in novel form than yeah. in a screenplay. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm just transitioning into novels. I, I still very much want to write screenplays, but mm-hmm. um, to me, it's the story itself that dictates what it's, what it's going to be, how I have to write it. If it, if it has to be a movie, I'll write it as a screenplay. But if it has to be a novel, I'll write it as a novel. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that completely makes sense. Has it been, would you say, like an interesting transition to go from the very sort of um, sparse, like, screenplay to the much, like, denser writing mode of, of the novel? Or has it been a, a fairly smooth transition just because of the nature of the story, as you say? Um, it... I think it was a pretty smooth transition because of the nature of the story, because there is a lot of interior monologue. Um, I, I tell the story from both, um, from two main characters' perspectives, and um, there there is a lot that's happening um, interiorly that you just can't really show on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was easy to write those things because it's, I don't know, it just in a weird way, the characters started writing the story for me. Mm. So it was like, I was just following their lead. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, you know. Oh, that's amazing. I love when that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, 
my favorite part of writing, actually, because it's sort of combining the experience of writing and reading. Oh, yeah. In a really strange way. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it, for sure. Um, so this is coming out in November, is that right? November 24th is when it releases, yeah. And, it, and you're, you're somehow connected with Indie Bound, right? Is that correct? Do you want to tell us about that, how that came about? Um, well, actually, I, I just, um, it's through my, my distributor, Ingram Spark, okay. um, is how I um, distribute my, they're my print-on-demand Okay. Company and IndieBound is one of the um, places where you can find my books. <laughs> so, oh, great. Great. Yeah. So, so you're um, sorry, I'm not familiar with this publishing company, and that doesn't mean anything. Okay. I just am, am new to this whole process. Is it like a self-publishing company or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's self-publishing, but it, so it's um, it's kind of like Amazon KDP, where you you upload the files and then they they publish it for you Mm -hmm. um but unlike amazon it they reach like all the retailers so you can find my stuff on barnes and noble and books a million and walmart and um, kobo.com all sorts of places so that's great um yeah very nice um i don't know do you boss questions you've been very silent i'm officially not here Uh (laughs) That's not true. <laughs> uh, well, well you, you, we spoke about your film influences a lot. So what are, what are your, do you, you read a lot of books as well, I assume? If you I read, do read a lot yeah. of books, yes. What are some of your favorites? I know that's a tough question, and I hate it, but I just asked it anyway. Yeah, yeah um, it is a tough question. I actually, my favorite genre to read is fantasy, oh. and I will never, ever write a fantasy. I don't have the right kind of imagination for it. Um, how people are able to build worlds like that is, it's crazy to me. Um, but I love reading it. It's, it's awesome. So, um, a couple of my favorite, um, fantasy authors are, uh, Jeff Wheeler and Sever Brawny, um, are two of my favorites. Um, but I also really love classics. Jane Eyre is probably my favorite book of all time. Um, but anything by Jane Austen. Um, oh I really enjoy Charles Dickens. <laughs> We're kindred spirits. I'm a huge, like, I love the classics. I actually, as soon as you said Jane Eyre, I thought I see some of that in Bergman Manor mm-hmm. as well. I mean, obviously, that's the precursor to Rebecca, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also obsessed with Jane Austen. <laughs> that, yeah. Some, as I said, kindred spirits. Do you have a favorite Jane Austen novel? Um, uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I just the opening line alone is. I just think it's pure genius. Yeah, it's just good every time. Like it never. Yeah. It's it's never not good. Like yeah, that's always the very safe go to book if you're mm-hmm. needing to read something to lift your spirits. Yes. <sighs> so I, I I wanted to know as well about the the work you the job you were doing up until. A few a few days ago, a week ago, or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so recent. I'm sorry about that. that that's yeah. rough. Yeah. What was that, like? What do you mind talking a bit about what that what that kind of work was that you were doing there in your um, day job? Uh, no, um, it's it's a video production company, but um, it's mostly industrial video. They the ma- their major contract was with the Air Force, the, um, a division called the Center of Excellence for Medical Multimedia. So we created a lot of medical programs for them but we also worked with like behavioral health so doing like suicide prevention and we did um you know like drug demand reduction and and those kinds of things too so um it was a lot more um most of my job was was writing educational materials um but i also got a lot of opportunities with with like the suicide prevention kind of stuff to do more narrative work as well Mm um so it was it, it gave me a chance to hone my, my craft in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So. That actually reminds me, um, you were involved in a documentary about your life. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be the subject of a documentary. I know. It's, it's all about you, which is crazy. Yeah. I, I feel like I've lived kind of a weird life. Like, I, 
<laughs> I don't think there's anything extraordinary about me, but weird things like people making documentaries about me, and it just happened. So. <laughs> um, no, so when I first told my boss that I was going to become a consecrated virgin, um, she was fascinated by it. She'd never heard about it, mm-hmm. um, even though she, she grew up Catholic as well, but it's such a rare vocation. A lot of people have never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she asked if uh, the company that I, that I worked for, her company, if they could make a documentary about um, my vocation and about um, preparing for my vocation, um, wow. preparing for my consecration. So. Um, at first I told her no, (laughs) um, because I did not want my life on screen. I was, I was like, I'm an introvert. I don't need the world to see into my life. You know, that's weird. Um, and I don't want you interfering my family and (laughs) like, I don't know. It just felt really, um, overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but I, I prayed about it and, and sort of heard the answer that, that like if, if God had intended me to remain hidden, he would have given me a different vocation. Mm-hmm. He would have given me the vocation of being a cloistered nun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, but being a consecrated virgin living in the world means that I'm meant to be a witness in the world for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided it, it could be a really great um, resource for other young women who are trying to discern their vocation and don't even know it exists because... It took me a long time to to learn about it and mm-hmm. know about it. So um, I, I wanted to help other young women who were going through what I went through um, in my 20s and, and sort of help them at least know what's available to them. So um, that's how it came about. Have you, I know you mentioned that you were afraid of sort of turning the spotlight onto yourself. I say somewhat guiltily as someone who's asked you to now be interviewed for a podcast. Um, but did you find that it drew um, like more attention to you than you would have liked, or was it a positive experience overall? Would you say? Um, well, it it took a long time for it to um, actually go anywhere. I mean, it, it took them a, a year to finish the edit on it, okay. and then it it went on the film festival circuit for a while. Um, so it was just this past January that it was finally um, distributed and available on iTunes and Amazon. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been in the local papers here, um, but most everybody around here already knows me and knows my vocation. So it's, right. you know, they were all just like excited that they saw somebody they know in the newspaper. But I also did reach out to all the dioceses around the United States to their vocations directors and just, you know, offered it as, here's a resource if, you, if there are any women who are asking you about vocations, like, here's something you can use. And, and I have been contacted by women from from those those emails um, and have had some really nice conversations and met some really lovely people that way. Yeah. Um, but they, they were just curious about my, my experience and stuff, so. That must be so nice to know. I mean, you, you're sort of you're probably impacting people maybe even without even realizing it, but to, to actually be able to have those conversations and know that this thing you put out into the world has had such a positive impact on people. Yeah, it's, it's a real gift. And I'm, I'm grateful that, that I got the answer I did when I prayed about it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause like I resisted, but it really has just been a blessing all the way around. Yeah. Because, religion plays such a big part of your life do you find that there are people who are surprised or maybe pushed back against your 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 writing career and this path that you're trying to follow no not at all um i've i've never um everybody uh, on both sides of it but the um all my my Catholic friends, I guess, mm-hmm. um, think it's super cool that I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, and all of my secular friends, for lack of a better word, think it's super cool that I'm a consecrated yeah. person. It's, it kind of goes both ways. People are just sort yeah. of fascinated by the combination of it, I think. Yeah. I guess those are both sort of, like, lifestyles, I guess, again, for lack of a better word, that, that not a lot of people pursue, right? Yeah. Like, screenwriting in particular, because I think, you know, um, a lot of 
people know someone who has ambitions to write or who writes just for fun, but screenwriting is sort of a really specific path to follow down, right? So not yeah. all people have that, that skill. Yeah, it is pretty um, specialized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have some projects you're moving on to now, like new writing projects or dreams that you're chasing? Um, well, I have, I have like four sort of vaguely defined projects in mind that I would like to do at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, three of the four are screenplays, and one of them is a, a sequel, actually, to the novel that I'm, um, that's releasing in November. Oh, wow. Um, and that was, that was like not not really planned at all until I got feedback from my beta readers and they're like, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> like, oh, well, I wasn't really planning there to be a next one, but now that you said it, like those characters are still alive in my head. So it's, um, that's definitely something I want to do. But, um, another thing that I want to do is, uh, I want to publish a collection of short scripts. Oh, great. Um, and then I also want to do, um, I have the title of it, but it's, like I said, very vaguely defined, The Organ Grinder. Oh. So it's like um, silent movie era, somebody who plays the organ for the silent movies that, mm-hmm. that are playing in, in the theater, but it's also um, sort of a, a thriller because there's, I don't know, there's just something really creepy about a movie theater, you know, <laughs> with that flickering image and the organ yeah. sound, and, you right. know, like I just, I can see that. So, but that's all I can see so far. Yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> um, that. Yeah, and then the the last one is um, I love Vienna. I got to go to Vienna a year and a half ago, and I just absolutely loved it. And I really want to write uh, uh, something that takes place there. And um, my initial idea might change, but um, because it's the city of music, and because I was a huge band geek in high school, mm-hmm. I want it to be like a, a a band trip. Like this band director takes her her band her high school band to Vienna for some like mm. festival or something yeah. so would it be set in contemporary time um that one would be okay. yeah yeah that sounds cool it sounds like you might have to you know post COVID make some trips to Vienna to make sure it's fresh in your mind and yeah do the research <laughs> yeah oh darn <laughs> yeah oh, if you have to yeah <laughs> So you mentioned uh, sort of the process of using beta readers with your mm-hmm. with your book. I know with with self publishing or or you know going that direction that there's sort of a lot of different ways that people approach it. Do you want to maybe talk us through some of the steps you've taken to ensure quality and and do you have a great cover artist and, and all of those things? Yeah, um, I'm kind of making it up as I go along. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, especially with with the novel because I've never written a novel before, um, so it's it's been a, a very much a learning experience mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I'll I'll start with my cover artist because that's that's pretty easy to talk about. I so for Bergman Manor, I a friend who is in the publishing business, she recommended um, running a cover design contest through Ninety Nine Designs, and. Um, so that's that's what I did, and I got like over 200 submissions. Oh wow! Um, but the the one who that I picked as the winner, um, I not only loved his style and his work, but I loved the way we worked together. Like mm-hmm. every every note I gave him, he implemented, but he was also not afraid to like make suggestions and um, play with it a little bit and improve on it. And he just had such a great understanding of the characters and the genre and um, you know, he was the only one who asked questions before he even submitted design, like to make sure that he understood exactly what the story was about and, oh, wow. and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I, I picked him and when I picked him, I knew that I would never hold another contest because I would go to him again every single time. Yeah. And I have, and he's, every cover he gives me is better than the last one. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, and I, I've told you this, I mean, your covers are absolutely amazing the covers he's created for you so we'll definitely yeah. give him a little shout out in the credits so so people can track him down and try to get some work from him and maybe we'll even try to get him on here to talk to him 
Um, but but tell me a little bit more about that process. Was he reading the script or parts of the script? How was he getting an idea for the cover? No, for so for the for the first cover design, I had to submit a brief so that all the designers that were submitting had some kind of idea of um, the styles that I prefer and the um, the genre and the characters and different details about the story. Um, it was kind of up to me to provide that information. And mm-hmm. as the contest went on, I provided more information because I realized I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my original um, request, I, I said I want something that looks like a vintage movie poster because right. I wanted it to evoke that old movie yeah. feeling. I didn't want it to look just like a book cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he seemed to be the only one that, that got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So. And the style, or at least what I've seen so far of your your upcoming book cover, and you said you used mm-hmm. the same cover artist for that, looks yeah. looks different. So it seems like he's able to to sort of transition with you into this this new genre as well, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I, and he was he was awesome on that one because I gave him like no direction at all. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I have no vision for this. I'll tell you what the story's about, who the characters are. And, yeah, you know some of the important. Um, I guess, images in the story. Um, and he, he took those and, and ran with it and gave me a whole bunch of different options. And we, we came down on that one because I just, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, it looks fantastic. So yeah, that's great. I love it. Um, how did you come across the beta readers that you ended up using? Um, I actually just used um, family and friends. Oh, great. Um, I know a lot of people um, tell you not to do that because they, they won't give you honest feedback, but mm-hmm. I picked um, family and friends that um, that I knew <clears throat> were not afraid to give me criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know those people. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of them is my sister-in-law, and she's she's been, she and my brother started dating when I was four years old, so she's been part of my life okay. forever and ever. Yeah, but she's just, yeah. she's very honest and she's not afraid to say exactly what she thinks so mm-hmm. I knew she would be a great person to, mm-hmm. to give it to um, one of them was my niece and she's she probably is too nice but she's <laughs> also like in the target market that I wanted so I yeah. wanted to get like her her raw impressions of it right um, and then another one was actually my boss um, because you know she's been critiquing my writing for seven years so I knew she wouldn't be afraid to give me notes so well, that sounds like, yeah, I mean, although those were family members and friends, like, everyone was sort of chosen for a specific reason and, and representing a different, like, area of feedback that they could give to you, so it yeah. sounds like it was helpful. Did you do yeah. the same thing with your screenplays? Did you have beta readers for those? Um, not, not in the same way, because those screenplays I had actually written a long time ago, and they've, you know, I've, I've submitted them to um, screenwriting contests mm-hmm. and you know, giving them to um, other people to read, not because they were beta readers, but, you know, different writing groups or whatever. So I, I had already received a lot of feedback and rewritten them several times by the time I published them. Like, I, I knew they were ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so really all I had to do was uh, do a final proofread pass and then upload the PDF. <laughs> yeah. Did you, so, so you just used PDF or was there like a, um, I know some people have used like different books formatting things. I don't even really know what I'm talking about yet because we have a yeah. process. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have had to learn a couple of new um, software programs to convert to ebook. Mm. Um, for the printed version, it was just a PDF. And oh, since wow. they're scripts, and I, I wanted it to be as close to an actual script reading process as possible. So mm-hmm. I wanted them to be the eight and a half by 11 or whatever that paper size is. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so those were... The print um, copies of, of the screenplays were really, really easy to um, to format and manage, but um, turning them in, into ebooks was very difficult because screenplay, you know, e-readers they have like the the dynamic reading experience or whatever, where you can like enlarge things and make mm-hmm. them smaller and, and whatever. And um, every app is going to look a little bit different, and so mm-hmm. figuring out like the margins and how to get the character names in the right place and the dialogue in the right place <laughs> that was an adventure but um i eventually got that to work i had I had to use a program called juto for that okay 
Um, and then when I wrote my novel, I started writing my novel using my script writing software, Final Draft, and it was not working at all. <laughs> I was like, this, is, this was a terrible idea. Um, so I finally broke down and, and bought Scrivener for that. So. Okay. And they, they make it pretty easy because they have a lot of templates for the, the different kind of paper racks you can do and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so much of the self-publishing stuff seems to be just kind of like trial and error and let's, let's okay. see how this goes and okay, that's not working, so let's try something else. Do you want to sort of talk us through maybe a little bit of your um, like marketing process? And... Uh, marketing is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, marketing makes writing and publishing feel easy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like it's a it's a code I haven't cracked yet, to be honest. Yeah. Um, um, and, it, and it is a lot of trial and error, and I've tried a lot of things and made a lot of errors, and I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out the one thing that <laughs> that's gonna like make it happen. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like it's kind of a long game too. It feels like where yeah. you're not entirely sure what this step in the process is gonna impact, like further down the line. And, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, for for several months it was fine because I was still employed. But now there's like a little more urgency to it. Like, oh, I don't have a paycheck coming in anymore. So, oh yeah, either I'm gonna make this work or I have to go find another job. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, um, yeah. But, but before before I published, I was not on social media at all. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the biggest. Um, thing I, I did just to get myself started because I knew if I didn't have an online presence I would never get anywhere so no. um, building my website getting on Twitter um, I just joined Instagram a few weeks ago oh boy so, how's that gone um it's fine yeah. <laughs> I really hate social media yeah. <laughs> I've been too scared to try Instagram so I, uh -huh. I applaud your efforts <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, a friend, she's actually another consecrated virgin, but she's a high school teacher, and she's the one, she's like, you have to get on Instagram if you, um, for my novel, if I want to reach, like, a young adult audience, she's like, that's where they are, so mm -hmm. you have to be on there, and um, she pointed me towards the, um, I don't know if you've heard of Canva, it's just mm -hmm. graphic design okay. software that you can, like, subscribe to, they make it super easy. Um, she's like, that's that's the secret to Instagram. Just use Canva. Because oh. <laughs> they'll like size it for you, and you don't have to be taking pictures all the time. You can put up quotes and you know all this other stuff. So I was like, this oh, that's really yeah, really helpful. <laughs> it <laughs> so, just yeah. seems very daunting. So I'm glad to know there are some shortcuts to it. Definitely. I also yeah. feel very overwhelmed by social media. So I feel you. I was off. Yeah. Really happily not using it for a long time and then we started the publishing company and I'm like okay better, <laughs> better get back online and start talking to people again so yeah I feel yeah. your pain How yeah been... I, I feel like I just stumbled on the, the hashtag writing community on Twitter yes yeah on accident and that that helped a bunch it oh, yeah. really helped me gain a lot of followers quickly so it's, yeah. it's a great supportive community yeah, I mean, I, I, I complain, but I've been actually very surprised at how, you know, supportive people are and how nice people are, and, um, yeah. you know, we've gotten to meet some really interesting people that way, yourself included, so it's not all bad, I guess, but it just yeah. feels like... Yeah, it's kind of benefits. <laughs> it's, you know, when you're an introvert, it's like, oh, another way I have to talk to people, and... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, uh, actually, one of my, my most successful tweets was a complaint about how exhausting... Twitter is for an introvert. Yeah. And all these people responded to it. And I'm like, do you understand that you're exhausting me even more? Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of ironic. Do I respond to your responses or uh, uh yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well it's kind of yeah. I guess I mean we have a we have an episode where we talk about it's kinda of like a necessary evil in these days, but mm -hmm. not all evil, I guess. It's you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, do you have any other follow-up questions? Uh, I, I'm always interested to know how writers um, ha approach their time. Like, when mm. you, do, you, do you, like, set aside a, I always write from this time to this time every morning, or do you just slot it in wherever you can? I guess it's changed now during COVID time, but how has it been over the years? 
Yeah. Um, for the, the years that I was fully employed, it was very hard. Yeah. Um, especially, especially once I would, um, finish a project, getting started on a new one was extremely hard. If I was in the middle of writing something, like it was always a joy to come home and, and get back to that work because that's what I love. And, um, during COVID it's been like, I, I feel like I've worked harder and more hours at home writing my own stuff than I ever did in the office because it's like, I'll, it's what I do as soon as I, um, you know, I go to mass first thing in the morning, but after I do that, I come home and that's all I do all day long. And, you know, it's just to be eight thirty nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, Oh, I should probably start getting ready for bed. Wow. <laughs> um, that sounds yeah. pretty cool, though. I mean, I know it's stressful. It must be stressful, uh, of course. But like having such a long time to write. That's... Um, yeah, the writing itself is just so joyful for me. Yeah. Um, it's it's all the other stuff that I have to do, all the the formatting and the marketing and the um, you know the the trial and error that we were talking about with different trying to get it uploaded to your website and you know <laughs> right, trying to. Right get all the right links on, on my website and everything like yeah. all that stuff is the stuff that I'm like I don't want to spend my time doing that but yeah. the writing itself I could I could do all day every day let us all wish that someday we're successful enough to have assistants who will do that stuff <laughs> yes <laughs> that would be amazing yeah. oh man do you have no, I think yeah. that's. I think that was great. Thank yeah. you so much for taking time out of your day and out of your writing schedule. Hopefully, this wasn't another one of those like, uh, I, I, I have to do that type of things. But oh no, no, <laughs> this was this was a, a joy to do, and um, I actually usually don't don't work on Sundays, but I was like, this isn't work. This will just be a conversation. So oh, good, yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you better and we we truly did enjoy reading Bergman Manor and I will Thank have you. to now that I know that there's a mystery musical also on the table I, I think there's, there might have to be a performance in our near future yeah um, so <laughs> sorry quick question before I let mm -hmm. you go sorry I know we're winding up did you write music obviously to go along with the musical no just the lyrics okay the, so the actual music doesn't exist so, so you're you're letting that stay up to people's imaginations. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll have a an aspiring composer who's listening who will want to maybe make contact with. If you. somebody wants to give it a shot, I, I keep asking people if they will. They're like, oh yeah, that sounds super fun, and yeah. they never never get back with me. So <laughs> well, we're we're putting out the call. There's anyone listening who who wants to do that. But thank you so much, Tara. It was, it was really really great to get to talk to you more and. Um, we'll be following up with you so we can include ways to get in contact with you and let everyone know uh, how to follow you. But do you have any last Great. words you want to say before we let you go? I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Tara. I hope you have a good rest of your night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.